Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your interim host, John Ekstrom. Welcome back to Trades Work. I'm your interim host, John Ekstrom, and I'm pleased to welcome Gene Eddy, author of Crisis Proofing Today's Learners, Reimagining Career Education to Prepare Kids for Tomorrow's World, and CEO of American Student Assistance. Welcome to the show, Gene. Very happy to be here. So, Gene, your work addresses a key issue we face here in Colorado that is echoed throughout the country, a lack of career preparedness. Why do you think this problem has manifested so strongly? I think it's got everything to do with kids go through our school systems not having the first clue about all the opportunities they have once they leave high school. Oftentimes what happens because of the fact that college is oftentimes considered to be the default measure here in this country, that people kind of figure that, well, my son or daughter is going to figure it out when they go to college. (laughs) And that is absolutely way too late. But in my career in higher ed, I met with many young people, and that's exactly what they were doing. You know, so I, how can someone aspire to a career and they have no idea what it is, how to get there, and what a life might look like if they chose that career? You know, I absolutely agree because, and I think that's a wildly optimistic view of the agency of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds because I was a business major just out of other, I had no idea sort of what I wanted to do. But I took a public speaking class and I go, oh, I like this. What is this? What are the first two letters at the beginning of this course? And so let me take a look at that. And I read sort of the description of the scholarship that we would do. And I go, okay, this is very much for me. With that said, I still had no idea how many different types of jobs I could do within my own field. And so the idea that we go to college to study things that we're interested in is okay. That's a fine idea, but still, I don't think we understand how many different types of jobs are out there. And I think this is true across the spectrum of employment. I think, I think that that's absolutely true. And you know, you, you really hit a chord with me when you said that you were doing something that you really like to do. Yeah. You know, so many kids can't even identify what they're good at. I mean, think about that. <laughs> if, if a young person is going through school and can basically say, gee, I'm good at this. Right. And then someone takes the time to show them how they could use that in a myriad of careers. Think of what we could be doing in this country right now. God, you're absolutely right. All right. So I'm curious about you. What Take, take me through your own journey. What's your own background? What, what, what's the path that led you to where we sit today? I'll try and make this as short as possible. Sure. However, it's been a long journey. <laughs> so, so let me just say this. You know, I went through a fairly rigorous elementary school process. I ended up at a community college, despite the fact, and, and when people read my book, they will see this. I graduated from a private girls' high school, valedictorian in my class. No one talked to me about careers, what came next, any of it. So and you're at the I'm top like, of your class. Yeah. You're you're right there at, at the, the top. top of my class, and 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 so yeah. no one's no one's talking to me. They're, they're going, <laughs> no hey, congrats on being good at school, right? Yeah, and then that's really that's a very good point to make. So in any event, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I ended up going to a community college, and I was one of the lucky ones because I had I engaged with a faculty member who really took an interest in me and kind of helped me go through a process. And in fact, he was the person who introduced me to my first job, which was in higher education. Oh, cool. All right. And it kind of blended all the things I wanted to do 
into one place. And cause college administration has a lot of factors. It's finance, it's dealings with kids, it's a whole host of things. Sure. And so I spent most of my career in higher ed. But you talk about kids who are on a college campus and they don't know what they're doing or they want to change their major or they think that, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, so maybe I should drop out. I met with those kids. I talked to those kids. Yeah. So to be able to come to, to American Student Assistance and be able to say, how can we get ahead of this before a young person ends up on a college campus and help them figure this out? I've come full circle. <laughs> you really have. Um, and, and in many ways, it's really funny because we, we talk on this show quite a bit about how the, the college for all model has dominated the thinking here for in this country for a very long time at, at the expense of, as you point out, trade schools and community colleges and things like that. And you coming with from a background in higher education, in many ways, the call is coming from inside the house here. <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm wondering is, what have you learned about how to change the perception of this college for all model? A lot of it has to do, and not surprisingly, a lot of it's got to do with education and more information. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need to have more people talking about this. More people need to become aware of it. More incentives needs to be put into place, particularly on the policy level, to integrate some of this thinking into elementary education. It's critically important that kids have a chance to not only be exposed to all those careers that you were talking about before, yeah. which you can easily do in middle school. That's That can absolutely happen. And we've worked with school districts who make that happen. But then if we can integrate things where kids in high school can test and try things, yeah. We can actually start to have, we can start to change the whole idea of, well, I'm going to leave high school and I've got to go to college because that's what everybody does. That's not the case anymore. And it doesn't need to be the case. Yeah, it's interesting. That's how we change it. It's interesting to me. I, I, a guiding philosophy of my life is if you can see it, you can be it. And that's mm -hmm. one reason I love this show so much is because our first season, we, we talked to a number of apprentices in the skilled trades. We talked to plumbers. We talked to pipe fitters. We talked to HVAC professionals, sheet metal workers, and undoing that perception that if you're a plumber, all you're doing is unclogging toilets. When you're a plumber, you can work in hospitals and, and get certifications in med gas. You get to design really cool things like, say, at arenas or breweries or all these cool public-facing things. And you're not just there as sort of, you know, turning a wrench, but you get to do some really strategic thinking. And opening people's eyes to that, they go, wow, okay, so being a plumber is much different than I thought. And so one of the things that we're doing is undoing the stigma of the skilled trades, of community colleges, of things like that. What, in your estimation, has been most successful in changing that perception about those types of schools that maybe traditionally haven't gotten as much love as the traditional four-year university? I think, again, this is all about getting the information out into the public yep. and having young people, again, be aware of what's out there. And the kids that we survey, and we talk to lots and lots of kids, the kids that we survey are really hesitant to go into some areas because they don't know how they can get certified effectively mm. and what's good and what's not good. And so much of this could be handled by exposing kids to, this is the path a plumber takes. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. We know how that works. Right. But for the average young person, if their father isn't a plumber or their uncle or their grandfather isn't a plumber, 
they don't have the first clue about how to go about doing that or finding out all the various things you can do if you're a plumber. You know, I talk about plumbers a lot, which is why I was smiling when I was really kind of investigating what this conversation could be about. Sure. Because in Massachusetts, we have a huge shortage of skilled tradespeople, huge shortage. And one of the things I talk about a lot is the fact that in the state of Massachusetts right now, a certified plumber makes more annually than a primary care physician. Wow. That is, Just think about that. That's remarkable. That I mean, and if people understood that kind of earning potential, then yeah, you eliminate a lot of the stigma because you're talking doctors. Yes, absolutely my, right. My goodness. And that's the kind of information we want to share. Yeah, well, absolutely. And more power to you on that. For our part, one of the things that we've done here in Colorado, and similarly, we face a looming deficit of 50,000 skilled trades workers in the coming years, mm-hmm. which... It sounds like that's mirrored across the country. I can't imagine Colorado is unique in that. Is that true? That is true. Okay. That is definitely true. So for our part, we have worked in partnership with our labor partners to found the Western States College of Construction. And that allows our students to get real work apprenticeship experience while earning a four-year degree, which we're kind of trying to bridge that gap where if people say, okay, well, you need to have a college degree, it's like, we can do that. But... Our kids graduate, our students, our learners graduate without any debt. They graduate with real-world experience and a degree. Have you ever seen a model like that, and what's your reaction to it? I have not. I really, I you know, I love the idea. I wish I could convince some of, maybe I could convince someone out in Colorado to adopt a high school and try it there. Oh, cool, yeah. Because I think that there, there are a lot of opportunities for young people right then to be able to, as they leave high school, to get training. Everybody's going to need some kind of training after high school. Sure. But if they can get some training, some even apprenticeships, while they're in high school to be able to do the kinds of work that craftsmen can do, then certainly they can move on and get a four-year degree if that's what they choose to do. Right. But I don't think it needs to be a prerequisite. No, I we, we certainly don't either. But in, in trying to be solution-oriented... This was a big lift uh-huh. for us. And, and obviously, you know, the, the higher education process, as you well know, can be sort of labyrinthine and complex. But to, to be able to get this across the finish line and have it now exist and thrive is something we're intensely proud of. Yes, as you should be. It's very, very encouraging. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Us too. Over the long term, we're, we're very enthused. We're very optimistic about it. You, you mentioned high school and getting apprenticeship programs. One of the things that we've seen is, you know, just with the nature of education funding, a lot of schools have removed things like wood shop or metal shop or auto shop, which is where a lot of students, I think, can find their niche where they get hands-on experience in a place mm-hmm. where they're earning high school credit. Have you seen some of those start to come back now as we change our thinking about how high school education goes in this country? Yes, I have. I think that there are high schools right now, at least in Massachusetts, I can speak for, where they are bringing back, they're calling them maker spaces. Oh, cool. All right. So students can dabble in a number of these areas that you're talking about and pursue their interest in that way. In fact, there's a consortium of high schools in the middle of Massachusetts that basically is offering it throughout seven schools so that if someone has something that the other one doesn't have, they can share, you know, they can share their resources. 
And I think one of the things about high school and apprenticeships is the fact that we need employers to get involved in this. And so many high schools would absolutely step up if they could have a pipeline of employers that were there to basically partner with them. Yeah. That's something that, that at ASA we are really working on trying to engage employers now in getting involved in this process because it will benefit everyone. It will absolutely benefit everyone. Tell me a little bit more about your work at ASA for anyone who doesn't know that organization. What, what do you all do and, and what types of things are you engaged in? So at ASA, we are trying to, We're trying to help kids change the way they learn about careers and plan for their future. So much of what we're talking about today is exactly what ASA is all about. And it's, you know, the book that I wrote has got everything to do with the work that we do at ASA. And so we we approach young people in a number of ways. The biggest thing we do and the most successful thing we do is that we have digital platforms that are totally free for young people to go exploring about identifying things that they're good at what they love to do, the kinds of careers that are associated with that, and be able to plan out a future by using all of these tools. We decided after a lot of research that we were going to young people where they are, and that's on their mobile phones. And so the things that we do are fun, engaging, and allow kids to do an awful lot of exploring to figure out if if they are good at public speaking, what kind of jobs could they go and pursue, and what kind of training do they need? in order to pursue those jobs. yeah, And it really gives them an opportunity to be able to do some of that testing and trying that I talked about. Mm -hmm. But we engage with about 15 million kids a year, ages 13 through 18. And we are certainly trying to change the way kids think about careers through this process. We're also working with school systems, trying to work with them to kind of change the way our our school systems absolutely approach this problem and see how we can kind of change that dynamic. But that's going to take a long time. There are an (laughs) awful lot of school systems in this country. And so we wanted to make sure that we could have, make some progress by going directly to kids. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that has to be one of the animating factors of why you wrote this book as well. How can we make our impact uh, that much more? You know, I think about, regardless of what you think of him, someone like Dr. Oz, who looked at how many people he could actually help and said, where are the people I'm going to go on TV? And so he created a show to reach as many people as possible. Now, whether or not you you find him to be a credible doctor or not, that's a different issue. But that was his motivation for wanting to Uh do that. So tell me a little bit about uh, what has the reaction been to the book so far? I have had nothing but... (laughs) kind of surprising to me i have had nothing but nodding heads good like yes i agree yes we should be doing this and what i was really hoping for was that educators who read the book would be with me on this one and i would have to say they are good um there are awful lot of great teachers out there they do an awful lot they have packed days And now I'm coming to them and saying, you know, we need to do career education. We need to have learner focused, you know, interactions in schools, et cetera. But for those teachers who know that they can help more young people with a little bit of a twist to doing things differently, they're right on board, which is great, which is really why I wrote the book, to get more people involved in this and more people to be aware of the things that maybe we could do based on the experience I've had at ASA that could really make an impact. God bless you, madam. 
in an ideal vision for when high school kids graduate, let's say you are wildly successful with this. How will mm-hmm. kids coming out of high school, what will they know that they don't currently know? How will society itself maybe even look different if we are helping them understand what career paths are available and not just a four-year college? Well, I say I would say that they will know that what career paths are available, but they will also have the skills that I also talk about in the book that they need, like adaptability, problem solving, digital literacy, those kinds of things, because jobs are going to change. They're going to continue to change over time. Kids need durable skills so that they are up for the challenge and can tackle whatever kind of comes their way. But I would say to you that they leave high school, they have a plan. Now it's not, I want to be an X. It's, I'm going to pick on you, John. Yep. I love public speaking. There are a myriad of ways I can go and do public speaking. I know what those are. And I'm going to now start to pursue those avenues now. Now, it could be, I would contend that there are going to be more kids that go to college because they're going to know what it is that they want to do. There are going to be more kids that are going to go into skilled craftsmanship or trades and do that. And we are not going to have 6,000 people. We have six, not 6,000, 6 million people right now who are not working. What are they doing? You know, what are they doing? (laughs) That's a good question. And think what it could do for our economy. Yeah. Think what it could do. I mean, I'm sure those 6 million people are not the happiest people on the planet. So think about what we could impact. And I'm really not trying to be um, Pollyanna about this. I totally believe this. I, I agree with you because people get fulfillment from their work or ideally they get fulfillment from their work because it's how we spend a lot of our day. It, it is what consumes a lot of our time. And to get fulfillment out of that, you were living a life well-lived, in my estimation, if, if you can achieve that through your work, which brings me to a point that as, as I bridge into my last question, I'd, I'd never actually put this together, but we always ask our guests, what did you want to be when you were a kid? And before you answer that, the answers are always interesting because I don't think Hollywood or pop culture does us many favors here because we don't see a lot of different types of jobs portrayed in media. So if, if you see someone who works, they probably like own a store, right? Or, you know, you've got professional athletes or you've got entertainers, but you don't see people doing a lot of real types of work and, and it's not portrayed in kind of a realistic way. So when we ask this question, it's like, okay, when you were a kid, what did you see that you liked most that you wanted to be? And the answers are n- almost never something like, you know, I wanted to build things or, you know, I, I wanted to work in public relations, which is something else that I do that, and that I've done that I've gotten a great deal of fulfillment out of that I realized I could use my communication skills in. So as I ask you, Gene, what did you want to be when you were a kid, when you grew up? So we've talked a lot uh, and I've talked a lot about kids look around them, as you say, and they are looking for what might I be? of what their guiding principle is. And so some kids have a wide network and they have parents and they have friends of their parents and they have family and all of those things. And they look around and they say, oh, well, this person's doing this. And, you know, I think I'd like to do that. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gotten this answer to a question, but I will be 
absolutely honest with you and tell you that I wanted to be a mom. Interesting. I wanted all those. I was the kid who played with dolls, who set up a house, who did all those kinds of things. And I think it had everything to do with the fact I grew up with a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. She was good at it. My dad was off kind of doing his thing, you know, in, in his work world, which really didn't come into the household. And that's what I knew. But I think what I have learned from that is that motherhood and caring for people and particularly caring for children is, I think, something that I, I have actually ended up doing because <laughs> I care really intensely about young people in this country and what happens. And I've worked with kids throughout my entire career. So I guess I'm not that far off the mark. That's fantastic. And you're right. That is a first on this show. One thing uh, I've learned, I've seen this in meme form before. But as you're hiring someone, if you really want to get something done, hire a mom because moms are project managing everything all day and getting so much out the door with really, let's call them unreasonable kind of employees when you get right down to it. Young kids, not always the most reasonable uh, <laughs> little audiences. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic answer. I, I like that. And yes, you are... You are taking care of an entire generation and maybe even a couple generations of kids through your work. I think that's phenomenal. I'll give you the last word here. What, um, where can people find the book? Where can people find out more about ASA? Anything you'd like to close with, please do so. Please go to our website, ASA.org. You can find out all kinds of things about us at uh, that website, and you can also find my book there. Fantastic. Well, Gene Eddy, this has been very insightful, an absolute delight. I cannot wait to read your book. It's, uh, it's thrilling to me. So uh, thank you once again for being on the show. Thank you. And, and thank you all for joining us today. Stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our communities, building our skylines, and building our future. This is John Ekstrom signing off. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.